What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today, we're going to be talking about baseball. I'm sure some of you have seen the World Series numbers come out over the last week or two, and a lot of people are saying baseball is done, it's finished. But there's a lot of nuance to this, so I want to dig through it. So let me start with the headline. The 2023 Major League Baseball World Series between the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks averaged 9.1 million viewers on Fox across five games. Now, for some context on that 9.1 million viewers mark, that makes it by far, by far, the least watched World Series ever, ever recorded on record. It was the least watched World Series. It's an 80% drop from the 44.2 million people that watched the 1978 World Series between the Yankees and Dodgers. That was the most watched World Series ever on record. And 9.1 million viewers means that each of the past four World Series now rank as the least watched World Series matchups ever. And again, I want to give you guys as much context as possible here so you know that I'm not just cherry-picking statistics here. I'm going to go through each World Series from 2016 to 2023. I'll give you the teams that played and the amount of viewers. I'm picking 2016 because that's sort of where we saw a little bit of a peak. The Chicago Cubs were in the World Series that year against the Indians. We had just over 22, 22.8 million viewers that year per game for the World Series in 2016. Then in 2017, we saw a decent-sized drop-off. We went down to 18.9 million viewers per game for the Astros versus Dodgers. In 2018, Red Sox versus Dodgers, we had 14.1. Then in 2019, Nationals versus Astros, 13.9. Then in 2020, the COVID year, this was actually the least number we had seen in a long, long, long time. At the time, it set a record. We had just 9.7 million viewers per game for the Dodgers versus the Rays. In 2021, we saw a slight bump but we didn't get back to pre-COVID levels. We had 11.7 million average viewers per game for the Braves versus Astros. The following year, essentially the same number, 11.7 million viewers per game for the Astros versus Phillies. And this past year, the Rangers versus Diamondbacks in 2023, the series that just happened, we had 9.1 million viewers. So again, 9.1 million viewers, the least watched World Series ever on record. But how could this be, right? You'll say, hey, Joe, Major League Baseball just made a ton of rule changes to speed up the game. And the league's per-game attendance in 2023 was the highest it had been in 30 years. Why wouldn't that translate to viewership in the postseason? Well, the truth is that it's not that simple. Major League Baseball has become an increasingly regional product over the last several decades. And the game, to be quite frankly, is at a pivotal point in its future. Now, I want to start this off by just being super clear about something. Many of the people that you're seeing online talk about the viewership for this past World Series. They're saying that baseball is dying because it was the least watched World Series ever. But they conveniently ignore the fact that if the Phillies and the Astros had won in the NLCS and ALCS, respectively, this year's World Series would have averaged close to 12 million viewers per game rather than nine. 12 million viewers per game is more than three of the last four NBA finals, right? So 12 million viewers per game for a World Series is 100% respectable. And this isn't just a guess. It's not like I'm just here sticking my finger in the air and making up numbers. We know that they would have averaged close to 12 million viewers per game because the Astros and the Phillies faced off in the World Series last year and they averaged close to 12 million viewers per game. So it would be more accurate to say that the Diamondbacks and Rangers have smaller fan bases and that's what impacted viewership. But Major League Baseball still had a good year overall. For example, we all know that MLB implemented a number of new rule changes this past season, including a pitch clock. They started to limit pickoff attempts. They put in larger bases and they eliminated defensive shifts. 
Now, these rule changes had a material impact on the game. Games lasted 24 fewer minutes on average, while teams stole more bases and scored more runs. Again, to give you a little bit of context on just how impactful these rules were, the average time of a regular season game this past year came in at two hours and 39 minutes. Now, that's a huge drop-off. Again, it's 24 minutes down from the year prior. Games used to take three hours and three minutes, now they take two hours and 39 minutes. It's also the fastest pace for an MLB regular season game on record in 38 years. In 38 years, the game is now being played at a pace that we were playing in 1985, which was two hours and 40 minutes per game. Only nine games lasted three and a half hours or longer, and there were 390 games that lasted that same time just two years ago, right? So we went from 390 games two years ago lasting at least three and a half hours or longer to nine games last season. This was a huge improvement. Now, obviously, not everyone is happy about this, but not only were games shorter, there were more action. Runs per game increased last year from 8.6 runs per game in 2022 to 9.2 in 2023. Stolen base attempts went from 1.4 per game in 2022 to 1.8 in 2023. Stolen bases per game went from 1 per game in 2022 to 1.4 in 2023. The stolen base success rate went from 75.4% in 2022 to 80.2% in 2023, which was the best ever on record. So, like I said, the game changed a lot over the last 12 months. I think, personally, the rule changes were great, right? It's the same amount of action. Actually, there was more action because of some of the things they did with the bases and the pickoffs and the defensive shifts. More runs, more stolen bases, more action in a shorter amount of time. Now, I do have a little bit of a caveat to this. I've heard from some people, which I can completely understand, which is the idea that if you're going to the ballpark, maybe you only go a couple times a year and it's far away from your house and you want to be able to stay for three, three and a half hours at a time because you know that you're only going to be able to go do it by yourself or with your with your significant other or your kids just a couple times a year. So I totally get that. I think that's probably a little bit of a smaller argument. And I think for the good of the game, these rule changes performed really well for Rob Manfred and the rest of MLB and its owners and its players. I've heard great things. I enjoyed it. I watched more baseball this year than I did the year prior and so forth. So that's all great for baseball. And I would argue that it's one of the main reasons why local TV viewership was up 7% year over year. It's one of the main reasons that sponsorship revenue at a team level was up 23% year over year. And again, it's one of the main reasons why overall attendance was up nearly 10%. Overall attendance was up 10% year over year. I have the number here. There were 70, there was over 70 million people that attended games in 2023. And this is super important because gate receipts, tickets, make up 31% of Major League Baseball's revenue, and concessions and parking make up another 10% of revenue. So the actual games themselves, 162 games per season, is super important in the context of how these teams make money because there's so many games throughout the entire regular season. So that's all great, all dandy, amazing. Rule changes went really well. But I would argue that also people underestimate the societal headwinds that baseball is facing on a macro level, right? And I'll explain to you. That's because even with all of the rule changes over the last 12 months, baseball really hasn't changed all that much over the last 50 plus years. We saw more rule changes and more changes to the sport in general over the last 12 months than we had seen in 50 years, literally. That's a good thing for a lot of people, right? If you're a longtime fan of the sport, you love baseball, you grew up watching it, why would you want baseball to change? You don't want MLB to be making any changes. You love this game. But I actually think the real problem that Major League Baseball is facing is actually much more simple. 
Now, we've seen a bunch of data over the years, I'm sure you guys have as well, that indicates that younger fans now follow and root for individual athletes, not teams. That's why a fan of LeBron James has also been a fan of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Miami Heat, and the LA Lakers, despite potentially growing up somewhere completely irrelevant, like New York City or Iowa or somewhere completely different. It's also why the Cavaliers are the third most followed U.S. sports team on Instagram. That literally blew my mind when I saw that for the first time. The Cleveland Cavaliers are the third most followed U.S. sports team on Instagram. They have, I think, 16.5 million followers. LeBron hasn't played there since 2018. 2018, that's how powerful he was when he was there. They followed the Golden State Warriors at 31 million, which has done a tremendous job with people like Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, all of them, and winning their championships. The LA Lakers, huge market. They now have LeBron. They have 23 million followers on Instagram. But the Cleveland Cavaliers are third at 16 million followers. I don't think there is a better example of how people would rather follow an individual athlete. Or maybe a good example is like Odo Beckham Jr. Many people don't know, but Odo Beckham Jr. is the most followed NFL player on Instagram. Now, obviously, he's dealt with changing some teams and getting traded and some injuries over the past couple of years. But Odell, in his heyday, in his prime, there might not have been a more popular athlete in the United States at the time. I mean, this guy was literally everywhere. He was taking over. He was super, super, super popular when he came obviously to the NFL, but just in the more broad landscape as well when we come to sports. And specifically, the NBA and the NFL have done a really good job promoting their individual athletes over the last decade. I think they've done a better job than anyone else. In fact, these leagues often place their athletes front and center in marketing campaigns because they know that's what people care about. These athletes then dominate the news cycle. They dominate Twitter. They dominate Instagram. They dominate all of social media. They're everywhere. And it builds up their fan base even more. And this creates a cycle, a cycle that is difficult to break. And I'll give you an example. If you go log on to Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, whatever it is, on social media, sports is, is the biggest topic. There's politics, there's news, there's all that other stuff too. But sports is what drives all of the data on these platforms. It's by far the biggest category in most cases, depending on the event or what else is happening in the world. But sports is huge and the individual athletes are huge. And that's what dictates what you hear everywhere else, right? So if you turn on ESPN in the morning or Fox Sports or any other network like that, your local radio station, primarily what they're talking about is things that they've seen are popular elsewhere, right? And in most cases today, that would be obviously NFL games, that would be the NBA, the Michigan scandal, things like that, right? So things that are going on and have shown that they're popular and people care about them. But the problem with this is if you're a league like Major League Baseball, and you don't go forward and promote your individual athletes. You don't put them on a pedestal. You don't make them famous. The problem is that they get out of this cycle. So the way that the NFL and NBA have done it is they've implanted their athletes in this cycle. Their athletes are famous. They dominate the airwaves. And that's why they get talked about on ESPN. If you turn on ESPN, I, I did this, so I know this. I watched ESPN during the playoffs. I watch ESPN all the time. I turned it on. They rarely, rarely, I don't even know if they did. They literally did it talk about the baseball playoffs. Every once in a while, they'd bring someone on there to talk about the World Series. But leading up to that, they weren't talking about baseball. And this is a network. It's not like they don't own the rights, right? Like ESPN is notorious in some cases. If they don't own the rights, they'll just completely ignore something and vice versa with other networks too. But not only is baseball one of the major sports in the United States still today, but ESPN has Sunday Night Baseball. They have rights to baseball throughout the regular season. Baseball doing well is good for them. So I think this is one of those things where like, if you just zoom out for a second, you look at what Major League Baseball can do over the coming years, over the coming decades to regain some of the strength that they've had over the following years. Now, like 
I would preface all of this with TV ratings. If you like the sport, you really shouldn't follow TV ratings all that much. TV ratings have become much more difficult to calculate over the years. Not necessarily calculate, but they have become much more meaningless because of the amount of erosion we've seen on the cable side, right? Like 44 million people watching the World Series in the 1980s is much different than 10 million people watching the World Series today. The numbers have just changed, shifted over these periods. So I would argue that makes a little bit less of a difference, but I do think that Major League Baseball has a marketing problem. There should be no reason why half of the people in the United States can't name more than a handful of baseball players. There should be no reason why when you go to your local park, you only see kids with NFL jerseys on or NBA jerseys on and now MLS jerseys on to some extent, I would argue. There's no reason why Shohei Otani leads all of Major League Baseball players with just you know five or six million followers on Instagram. There's no reason why someone like Mike Trout, who should be the face of the game, who's one of the league's best players for you know a number of years now, should have just two, three, or four million followers on Instagram. These athletes need to be the center of the league's marketing strategy. They need to promote them above the teams, above the teams, because if you promote the individual athletes, then people care about the teams. It's something that I think Formula One, for instance, has done really well over the last few years. Obviously, the stuff with Netflix has helped a lot. The change with Liberty Media coming in and taking over and, and exiting Bernie from the business. like That business has changed a lot. But one of the things that they have done really well is they promoted their individual athletes on social media. If you go on social media today, the F1 fan base is rabid. They're everywhere. And they love the individuals. It's not about Formula One, the entity. Never. It's never about Formula One, the entity. It's about the individual drivers and then secondary, their team, right? So you may be a fan of Lewis Hamilton and Lando Norris. They drive for two completely separate teams, but you like the individual and that's how Formula One knows to promote it. That's how Liberty Media has done it over the last several years. I think Major League Baseball can take a, a page out of their book and do something similar. It's not easy to be done. Every league would do it if they could, but that's what Major League Baseball needs to be focusing on. And that's what I would do if I was in their seat over the coming years. That's it for today, though, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Before you go, please do me a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, leave me a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Tell me what you're enjoying so far, what I could be doing better, and so forth. Other than that, have a great weekend, and we'll talk on Monday.